Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Internet Report, where we uncover what's working and what's breaking on the internet and why. Now in honour of Halloween, we're here with a special episode here with some of our spookiest networking stories. Now when I say spooky, what we really want to do is actually sort of, not scary as such, but we actually want to do with explain where things where didn't quite go as, we'd, uh, as planned, and important lessons we'd actually learn from those. So pull up a chair and a big bowl of your favourite Halloween candy and hear what happened and discuss helpful takeaways. I'm Mike Hicks, Principal Solutions Analyst and host of the Internet Reports Pulse Update series and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague Kamal Shankar, Principal Internet Analyst here at Thousandice. How are you Kamal? All good my friend, uh, thanks for having me back at the podcast, it's awesome to be here. I always have a thrill uh, talking to you. That's always good, that's good. Now, before we start Kamal, are you a trick or a treat person? That's what I've got to ask. Treat, always treats, my friend. Always a treat. I thought that, I actually had that about you, so I actually got you some here, so I'll just sort of send those across to you so you've actually got those coming. <laughs> You're going to get them in like two months' time or something like that, given the distance between that's, us. <laughs> bear in mind I'm in the future, so you'll get them before they've even left, so that's uh, the way to go. <laughs> and so with that, let's dive into the stories. We're going to include chapter links in the description box below so you can skip ahead to the sections that are most interesting to you. And as always, we'd love you to hit like and subscribe and always feel free to email us at internetreport@thursdays.com. We always welcome your feedback and questions. Okay, so here we are. Pitch the scene, Kamal. It's a dark, scary night. And then things that actually go bump in the night. Um, no, actually, although outages do occur at the most inopportune moments, um, I think we've actually got to recognise is that they, they, they do happen uh, sort of the time. And as we said in the sort of intro there, it's not that we're actually looking at when they're, they're scary or spooky types of things. These are sort of mishaps that happen. And what I want to sort of take you through and, and discuss with you here today is sort of ones that I've personally experienced. Um, and I'm old. There's many of them, unfortunately. So we've all gone through these, <laughs> these times there. So the, the, the first one I, I, I want to talk about really is um, uh, this. Let me give you a bit of a, a, a background to this. So this was for a, a multinational company. They had um, deployments all over the world, but they also had deployments that were sort of out uh, in the ocean. Right? So this was an oil platform we're actually sort of looking at from there. So you can imagine that's connected into that. Now, there's a very critical application they're actually running, and this was um, to sort of check the manifest for the helicopter. So, uh, and that's the passages are going out from there. Now, the, the problem behind this was the, this, the manifest couldn't be guaranteed. If they couldn't guarantee the manifest, then they weren't allowed to get on the helicopter. If they couldn't get on the helicopter, they couldn't do a shift change, so the people couldn't come off the platform. Now, I don't know if you ever actually had the, uh, the, 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 the fortune to actually go on to one of these, these things, but it's really hard work. Um, you know, and due to safety mechanisms, these guys can't work sort of any longer than the, the, the period they're there, and they have to sort of come off. Now, if they exceed that time, what they have to do is shut the platform down. And you have to remember at this moment, they have all the logistics of getting the um, product off there. So they have ships lined up. So it's really sort of tight timeline. So you can imagine what happens if we can't guarantee, we can't change crews on here. Now this has been going on for many months by the time that I was actually involved in this situation. And what it turned out to be, and we actually identified it pretty quickly, but when we went in there, what they were doing, they were running um, an interior uh, uh, gateway routing protocol. So they were running an IGRP within this environment for their network. So it was a private mm -hmm. network out from there. So remember, we're talking on a platform, so we're connected by a satellite connection out from there. 
Now, what was then happening in sort of very raw terms was they had a, um, because this was a satellite connection, it was kind of a little bit flaky. And it included that connected network to this stub network into this dynamic routing table from there. Mm -hmm. They then had a mismatch of hello timers and hold down <coughs> timers. Mm -hmm. So what was happening was this system was sort of um, uh, disappearing uh, sporadically. So it was having these brownouts. So we actually couldn't get to it. But even though everything looked up, you could get to the router. Everything actually looked up around these times. So why we were able to quickly identify this um, after sort of months of going was because we actually looked at this holistically. We were able to sort of take a step back and say, okay, what's the, and we talked about, you know, I've talked this many times, I'm a man of patterns. What's happening from here? If I look at my the, the times are going on here, what I saw was this repeated pattern of 90 seconds. <clears throat> so it was coming down here and it was actually unavailable for that time, which straight away to me, I, I'm going, okay, that is some sort of routing protocol. It's a hold down timer because of the uniformity of it. It, it was a light there. Um, but then I was able to sort of bring that back into context. So we say, okay, when this is occurring, what's going on from here? And then what's happening is was actually, why are we getting this situation? Because this is a stub network. There's no need for it by dynamic, dynamically allocated. But the fact it was included in there, connected interface, and when you had discrepancies with the satellite connection, it was sort of dropping out. And therefore, there was going to this whole down time, which trying to recalculate the routes. So things weren't going to a black hole. They were going to sort of this brown hole. But by taking a step mm -hmm. back and actually looking at the outage pattern with understanding the configuration, we were able to sort of um, uh, quickly identify what was going on. It took a little while for me to convince them this was what was happening because yeah. every time they took a step back, they were looking in isolation. They looked at the router config, looks good. Look at this router config, looks good. As I said, it was happening sporadically because you had this outside condition of the satellite conditions, which were coming in and out on top mm -hmm. of this configuration. So it's just bringing things together. So, so for how long uh, did the issue last this particular event? Yeah, it's a really good question. It had been going on for three months. So it wasn't all oh. the time. It was just really, you know, and, it, and again, you're fully aware of this, there's different weather conditions can impact the satellites uh, and sort of the yes. connectivity. So it was, it was almost seasonal. So, and because it was intermittent, they weren't aware if it was... Uh, it was happening. So it actually, in if I took it at total time, it had been going sort of for three months before we got involved uh, to actually sort of look at it. Um, and, and very simply, what we're able to do, as I said, is just visualize the path and then take well, what yeah, other exactly. conditions happening at the same time. And that's actually quite fascinating. The thing is, like, uh, if you look uh, at the issue just from the, uh, you know, routing protocol perspective, in that particular case, uh, IGRP, and, you know, you look at the hold on timers and you, like, you know, yep. check all the timers, uh, you know, K values and stuff like that, if they are configured, yep. um, it would be really hard to figure out. Like, I'm, not, I'm actually, you know... Um, uh, not surprised that what you were seeing and the pushback that you were getting from the field, you know, um, it's kind of normal, you know, uh, that's yeah. why it's really important to have this holistic view. Like, you know, you, you kind of like step back to look at the big picture and identify that, yes, well, the protocol is working the way it's supposed to and the way it's designed to, you know, 
it's actually a picture that's influenced heavily by this external factor called satellite connectivity, which can, and you know, uh, to your point, seasonally does um, influence the connectivity in, in which it represents itself. Five minutes it really took us to identify because we actually hit that hold down timer pretty early on, uh, and I was looking at the entire path during that process. Exactly, and then, then the other the other thing is like if you look at these things, like to your point, patterns are really important, right? So having something like the timeline as part of which you can actually look at the you know wider range of time so to say like yeah. you know so that you can identify okay this is happening during these hours or this is happening during this part of the year for that matter like really helps like visualizing things always helps us humans you know uh, to see the uh, what's potentially going on that's like you know um, what that reminded me of is actually you know daily patterns so for example if you are uh, working nine to five you know uh, you're gonna see this like daily pattern of utilization you know and then what happens is that like during the you know peak office hours uh, you know uh, certain applications that are super popular you know within the organizations can actually have these issues that are a direct result yeah. of actually you know um, underskilled capacity being exhausted right so yes. um, yeah. that 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 that's quite interesting but yes to us humans like we need to have like you know uh, something uh, that's going to visually aid us in the direction of resolution 100 percent. a picture paints a thousand words so we can see what's, what's going on there and i said i'm very simple i want to look at a picture what's changed you know i'm good at those those what spot the difference what's happened here is paper newspapers upside down so if i can quickly visualize yeah. this is what it's supposed to look like compared to here and actually that, that brings another good point up is that going back to me being very simple is that if I look at those, why we were able to identify that so quickly was because it follows protocols, right? These are all protocols underneath there. Now, if we yes. start to overlay those protocols on top, all I need to understand is how's that protocol seem to operate? It's not operating, therefore, this is where the problem is. But again, as you said, that holistic perspective, so I bring them all together, and that's where I can see where the gaps are. You know, that Yes, you will sometimes get issues within the protocol where it's not behaving like it should do, but 99.9% of the time, it's gonna, the protocol's gonna follow the rules. So all I need to understand is, is that where are those rules conflicting uh, between when I'm putting those protocols together? Exactly. That, that's a really good good one. Uh, do you want to hear my story? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, tell me. Yeah. So, so um, over over my career, I had the opportunity to work for some of the well, really large um, networks, multiscalers, for in, in in fact. And you know, multiscalers have like their own set of problems. Um, but this one is actually not that uh, you know far off from what field might be seeing. Uh, you know, especially network engineers like they turn the trenches uh, on a daily basis, regardless of the size of the company. So um, we got once notification that certain uh, vendor had a uh, pretty big security related issue as part of which we needed to upgrade our complete fleet. Right. So right. the team was crumbled. You know, people started working like, you know, um, you know, in, in a follow of the sun model, you know, but but obviously there were processes like you just don't introduce the code base that was not tested before. So what we did is we took the code that vendor provided, we put it in the uh, lab, you know, we run the typical protocol setups like, you know, we had like at the time it was like BGP, it was, uh, mm -hmm. it was ISIS and, and other uh, like uh, Tip, like ISIS was used to advertise the loopbacks and then you were, you know, using, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then we were like, uh, 
uh, we were using these loopbacks to establish PGP sessions between you yeah. know uh, the rest of the infrastructure. It was fairly fairly normal setup, nothing too fancy, right? Um, and you know the code base itself showed up really well, right? Like you know the fix was uh, for the security related issues included in the in the uh, in in the release, and there was no risk of us actually having this rolled out in the production. So we rolled it out. Uh, you know, uh, for the multi-scalers, this is where uh, where the interesting and challenging things uh, come into play. Mm -hmm. Like, the you know, they had thousands of devices that needed to get upgraded, right? So, yeah. as you can imagine, you know, uh, first of all, like back then, the automation was still going quite slowly. You know, um, I think there was inherent mistrust in like, you know, letting yeah. the, uh, some Python script upgrade your router, right? So, yeah. you know, people were like very cautious when it comes to that. So a lot of this work was done by, you know, people. And uh, people were following the method of procedure mops, you know, everything was working yeah. fine. And all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, we rolled out like this complete, uh, code release on 100% of the fleet and everything was working fine. Until we realized that, you know, uh, there's a memory leak in the code base. Like we look <laughs> at the memory pattern like maybe one month in after the release, right? We were actually quite happy with how it went. You know, we were happy on, you know, uh, all, all the all the work that, that went in, like there was there were no significant issues as, as such, you know, nothing broke, you know, and you know, like changing stuff in production always, there's always risk. So yep. we were fairly happy with how, how that went until we checked the SNMP graphs for uh, memory utilization. And it was literally the staircase uh, effect, this part of which oh, you can okay. see the memory going up. And then it was a scramble all over again to actually, you know, work with the vendor. Vendor did not know what's happening, you know, so. Uh, they needed to investigate, which took some of the time. You know, the time that it takes for them to investigate what's happening and you know, well, you know, why is it going on is the time that we are losing on the memory because we need to upgrade this, right? Be because if you stay out of memory, all sorts of bad things are going to happen. Yeah. So first of all, yeah. like uh, restarts can happen, right? So that's yeah. like really one of the uh, one of the things. But that's a clean state issue, right? If the memory it's, goes out, the you know. Uh, your control plane stays out of the memory, which means that the protocols themselves don't work the way they are supposed yeah. to, which means that all of a sudden like timers goes off and on, you know, um, demons start behaving in a, a unpredictable way and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we worked uh, intensively with the vendor. Uh, we got the new code base and we rolled it out again, but you know, where's the spooky story in this one? Like, okay, like, yes, you know, it wasn't as spooky as, you know, uh, there's a clear outage, but the spooky, uh, you know, the spooky um, thing here comes from the fact that we probably spent thousands of engineering hours, right, on yeah. the complete effort. First to, uh, you know, patch the security related issue, then the second, uh, uh, in the second, uh, attempt to actually resolve the issue with the memory leak itself. It's what it is. I mean, these things happen. Um, but overall, like, I think like what tells us is that it's really important to, you know, first of all, test stuff. And in this particular case, even though the, um, we tested it in, in lab, right, we could not find it because you need to take in, in 
consideration the fact that, you know, lab is never going to be as utilized as production environment, especially yeah. in this yeah. large, yeah. uh, in these large enterprise and musculars, right? The thing is like, uh, their routing tables are going to have much bigger number of prefixes, you know, number of policies are going to be significantly larger, you know, then you're going to have like, you know, differences in between devices themselves, right? Like, you know, so some devices are like newer generation as a, as a result of which are faster. Some of their are older devices as part of which, you're, you know, they're going to have problem processing the routing table at the same speeds and stuff like that. Um, so obviously, like we could not replicate the scale of the uh, production environment in the lab, you know, but it just goes to say like how really important it is to have like proper monitoring set up, right? Like, uh, mm. you know, the fact that we were able to see like memory leak react in in a way yeah. as part of and engage the vendor in a way uh, as part of which we did not have the larger, uh, larger scale outage uh, on our hands really helped. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's, there's a couple of things there, isn't there? There's, there's, first of all, you should have just got a bucket, mate, and just put it under the rack to catch that memory leak. That's the first one. <laughs> and then the second one is if you'd have listened to the music going on in the background, you'd have known that's a spooky story. Don't go to that cabin. You know what's happening. But, but it is. It's, it's a slow burn you got there. Like you said, there's no way that you could have actually predicted what was going to happen because it's a low but you're right those patterns on us you'd have seen that go retrospectively but again if i've got my monitoring there i can see what's happening and exactly what you said once we've got that we know what action to take we know what process to kick in there um but the other interesting thing i thought there was you know you sort of point back to this this um uh allude to this fact then that um uh, uh, the, the protocol once we got these adverse conditions these uh, abnormal conditions i should say um these these abnormal conditions we 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 start to um uh it's just my that was me coming back to mel brooks's young frankenstein there for you there just a little <laughs> chuck in another halloween theme for mr abby normal but um but once you have those abnormal conditions what you start to to to, to consider is those protocols break that's what i was saying before when those protocols exactly. breaks we know the rules are happening we can do there but as you said in that situation the impact could be quite disastrous because you start to get ungraceful yes. closures, you get systems restarting, as you said, and it becomes really, really messy. You know, you know what, like, this, um, there are different categories of, uh, you know, potentially related issues with the uh, networking related stuff. So, for example, what we just spoke about is like, yes, the protocol design and, you know, overall holistic picture uh, from your scenario. In my scenario, it was mm -hmm. just like an uh, issue that could have arisen from the upgrades itself, right? But there are also yeah. different types of issues, such as like configuration related issues as part of which you are trying to achieve something only to realize that, you know, you had a configuration related error. Um, like, you know, that you did maybe a few years ago or something like that. Or uh, the scary, uh, like, there are some scary ones, like when you architect something, you know, uh, solving for some problem only to introduce other problems. Those are those are the challenging ones. But yeah, yeah like exactly. there's a different categories of the problems that 100%. you can face when... Those slow burr ones are really scary. Those are the ones where yes. they build the tension, build the tension, build the tension, and then it suddenly comes down. Those are the ones that yes. slap you in the face sometime on a Tuesday afternoon when you sort of just have to go home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so one, one thing you, you said there, that which, is, which I thought was really interesting, um, we were talking about you couldn't actually test that in uh, you know, pre-production. You couldn't know where you could sort of emulate those conditions because you couldn't get the load across from there. It's actually a great segue into my next 
story. So this, this is kind of a bit of an amalgamation of two stories because I've, I've sort of seen this twice. You just thought I've learned the lesson the first time. Uh, but, but, you know, fool me once, fool me <laughs> twice, but, uh, but there you go. So, Shame on you. Exactly, exactly. So, so what, what happened in this situation was this was a, was a massive rollout of an application, but it had just been, it'd been built up by a, um, a, a one division within this organization that actually gone ahead from there. And the, the, the thing about the criticality of this was it was being run across, this was again, multinational, lots of places around the world where this is gonna be rolled out. But this was almost um, a digitization of a fundamental process for this organization, right? This was something everybody had to use. This was something that was would directly impact productivity, which would directly impact the business bottom line. So they built this thing and it was a lights on, lights off rollout. The first thing that happened is that no one could use it, became unusable. So as you want down, so after, um, on the, the, the next day when it was actually up and going, even though the FAQs, the training had been in place, they actually had to roll this back out. And then we were sort of called in to actually have a look at, at what was going on. And what they hadn't done or what they'd done, they'd actually baselined this in a, um, almost within an incubator. So it baselined against um, local servers or there were cloud servers, but it was local to where they were. It was just one user hitting it up, one from there. And that, that's fine, again, test that functionality. But these users distributed across the world. They were coming across internet connections. They were coming across different um, characteristics uh, you know, some were connecting by satellite links. Some of these locations were so remote they could only be got at by a geostationary satellite. So mm -hmm. it was there was microwaves across some, which were in one case were set too low. So the tidal basin was dragging it down. Um, again, environmental conditions saw across in there. But the point is, it this wasn't tested or validated in any other conditions except pristine vacuum conditions. So the minute mm. it went out from there, and this was quite catastrophic, so it rolled back. So when they actually went through this, this another process again, what they started then to do is say, okay, which is where we got involved or where I got involved, and they said, can we baseline this? Let's baseline this. We wanted to baseline it. So again, I don't need to load this system up. I can just baseline this from distributed points around the world, basically where their locations are gonna be. Mm -hmm. And that gives me an indicative perspective. I'm looking at a transaction, so I can say, okay, I'm gonna log on and load the page, right? This is what the user is gonna be doing. And then I can actually set criteria. There's a couple of things that came from this. One, we identified some real black spots within their network where we're able to go mm -hmm. in and actually um, isolate those and fix those or you know, mining in some cases changing ISPs or changing relationships they had from there. Others, it was actually picking different transmission type, um, sort of different ways to actually do that. Some instances, it actually sort of looked around, well, let's actually split the functionalities application and let's serve that locally out of the CDN or, or the, the equivalent of for those, those things there. So we're able to match the characteristics of the environment. But then the other thing that came out of it was that no matter what you did to this, you were never going to achieve the SLA they'd set in place or the KPI they'd set mm. in place for this because there was just no other way to get to this particular location um, and this was the best that could ever be done because of the way the application was written and everything on lock. But we were able to identify that and then went back to the organization and said, okay, there's two things you can do here. One, you can readjust your SLA so that you match that, but that obviously going to have a direct impact of productivity on the users because this new app is supposed to be better, supposed to be quicker and more efficient and so on from there. The second thing to, to, or you can do is you can try this, but you know, here's the evidence. Go back to the manufacturer of the application and say, this is what's happening. We recommend you make this change mm. to it. But yeah, half your luck, give it a go. Which would delay application rollout by who knows how long. 
Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. But they actually went, went they did go back to the vent. So actually, they, the first thing they did is exactly what you said, absolutely right. Let's get it up, let's get it going. So they actually just said, we're going to, this is the expectation for this particular part of the world. This is what you're going to get. And we'll adjust our productivity expectations accordingly. But simultaneously to that, they, were, they then went to the manufacturer and said that this is what we're seeing mm-hmm. and here's the empirical evidence to say what we're seeing across here, anything you can do about it. And they went, yep. And literally, they just changed the cash value. <laughs> so they actually just changed the <laughs> rather than a timeout to there. So it was never then, it was always then served locally. And that dropped it by five seconds to this particular location. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. everybody came into the same uh, performance stuff there. So I said, so, so lessons That's learned there. Pretty nice fix, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Le- lessons learned were just testing pre-prod. <laughs> and, and we don't need a full yeah, operating system, yeah. but let's test ahead of time so that when we roll out, we're not going to a problem. Yeah. So, so actually, that reminds me of that um, age-old joke about the software developer <laughs> saying, like, oh, it works on my computer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the yeah. thing is, like, yeah. if, if you test yeah. it in it's isolation, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you test it in isolation on, uh, on the infrastructure that you built, like, in the pristine and vacuum conditions, of course, it's going to work, right? The performance mm. in real world is significantly different, right? To your point, like, the customers are coming from the various angles of the world where the connectivity is not working, you know, as optimally as potentially from your, you know, place or from the, you know, setup that you were uh, testing it from. Um, to your point, like, you know, uh, test more broadly, you know, include other, uh, uh, you know, th- this is also why it's really important to actually have, you know, people from diverse backgrounds uh, in, in your teams, right? Uh, you know, if, if there was more broad group of people, you know, who could have said like, you know, uh, let's test it out from this scenario or that scenario, this wouldn't have happened in the first place. That's why having the diverse set of backgrounds really helps all this. Yeah, absolutely. And it, because there is local conditions that you don't know about, you know, like, so, so exactly. I've, I've worked all around the world and my design methodologies for Europe are completely different to when I have to come to APJC because exactly. you know, I've got different distances involved. There's, there's things that I just physically can't achieve there. So you have to have think of different ways. But then you have other environmental conditions that are taking place. You know, um, yeah. this is this is so. So even when I was, was in Germany, so we we'd adapted Ethernet cables. <laughs> this is this is bad. We adapted Ethernet cables um, for a particular environment there, but we're using old token ring cables, so the old lambs and cams. So we were using those, <laughs> but when so the the, the the twisted core weren't enough, but they were also going across the um, uh, the, the the window sills. In these, so when yeah, yeah. we're in sort of uh, middle Germany, so when the, in the summertime it got quite hot, the attenuation went through the roof, the signal dropped. Right, so it's these other conditions yeah. you weren't considering, and and yeah, exactly. that's local knowledge that because it helped. Like you say, if I get all these stakeholders involved, then they, they 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 can actually put all these valid inputs. Well, did you know that? You know what? We can only get fixed wireless in this location. Ah, okay. That's actually and that's the other thing. Like you know, there's a lot in our industry. There's a lot of tribal knowledge, right? Yes. There's like things that you are just supposed to know, and then generation changes, right? And all of a sudden, like new generation does not have that insight from the previous generations, and you're like, okay, like, and then we kind of tend to repeat certain mistakes, you know, all over again. I'm not saying that this is a mistake, but well, like if you look at the uh, architectural trends when it comes to, uh, you know, 
uh, various designs, right? Not, not necessarily just network designs. Like we went from decentralized to decentralized, and then we are again like, oh yeah, decentralized is really hard. Let's go back to centralized. And you know, from so, uh, like uh, sometime in the future, people are going to be saying like, oh yeah, like you know, we should really have this decentralized, you know, or, or like for example, if you look at the architectural network design, like we went from the uh, you know cloth fabric designs that were introduced for the uh, four networks, right, which yeah. were really good for what they were yeah. designed for, and they, then we went to like you know three tier cloth, three tier um, design like access distribution core, and they were like you know what, like it's really hard to scale this. Let's actually try to go back to the cloth design because that scales much better. Like we get like much more capacity and stuff like that. That's really, really fascinating how certain things are, you know, repeating. It, it is, and, and, and they're repeating, but also I think we're at a stage now where all of a sudden is the user requirements are driving the technology. So we're having this state where again, so mm. I, I did a lot of work with ATM, we bonded ATM circuits because we just need to get the bandwidth up. I love the deterministic nature of having the cells mm -hmm. all the same size. It was there, but it was, you know, it was, it didn't always work as it needed to be. But but today I've got this situation where I'm having to, like the whole cloud stuff we're getting coming up and, and, and the way then that because we have these nebulous boundaries, as it were, these dynamic mm -hmm. nebulous boundaries, the hybrid work around from there. I have no perimeter. I don't, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard to centralize because what do I centralize on these days? So the technologies are saying is now driving it. My requirement is that digital equity, I want the same access, same service. So now the technology has to catch up with my requirements and, and it is there in place. You know, so it's those are driving it. Whereas before, I think we had a little bit of the, um, not quite the, cart before the horse but but to, to a degree you know this is a good design oh it doesn't scale let's switch back to this one whereas now we're we're almost having to design dynamically and and mm -hmm. like i said the requirements are driving that technology and the technology is having to keep up so yeah yeah you're right like you know a, a lot of these things are driven by the customer demands and you know and that's going to be changing and we're going to see um you know um resurfacing of the things that we actually thought that were done, uh, you know, but like yeah. maybe just wrapped in different paper, so to say. Um, exactly. So I, I have other story to tell you, Mike. Uh, well, I have unfortunately plenty of them to tell you, so uh, which is probably going beyond the scope of what we are trying to do here, uh, which actually prompts me we should probably have, uh, you know, another uh, episode similar to this one. But, but the story uh, that I wanted to tell you here is regarding the... Um, a company that I used to work for, uh, it was like very famous enterprise application. Um, I was a network engineer and um, yeah. so we came there and they were seeing like we are seeing degradation of the application, but the fundamentally they did not know what was happening, you know. So everyone like was all hands on the deck, you know, everyone is trying to do, they are checking sessions, they are checking timers, they are checking whether everything's working fine. And you know, like, um, it's it's looking good, but the application is struggling, and we can see the dashboards like you know quite clearly indicating that you know something is not working uh, the way it's supposed to, you know. And you know sometimes it's really important to actually step outside of your uh, network engineering uh, you know uh, world and put the different hat on, right? In this particular case, actually, I took like the approach of like you know it's not obvious that it's a network related issue. So, uh, you know, what is this all about? So I actually went on the server itself and I captured a TCP dump. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they use Linux service, uh, servers all around, like, you know, typical enterprise-grade application, you know, running on Linux. And, you know, I started going through the um, PCAP, and PCAP indicated a lot uh, of um, broadcasts. So I raised my hand and said, like, you know, guys, I think we are dealing here with uh, potentially pretty large broadcast a storm, right? Yeah, now, obviously, uh, one of the uh, leading points to me getting onto the uh, server d- itself is the fact that that data center where the issue was observed was a pretty large uh, L2 network, like layer two network, yeah. right? So I raised my hand and I quite clearly remember saying like, yeah, I think like we might be dealing with a broadcast storm and people were like, you know, uh, yeah, like, yes, you are seeing a lot of broadcasts, but we don't have the baseline. And I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a fair point, but this this feels like a lot of broadcast, right? Yeah. And they're like, no, yeah. no, no, we don't have baseline. So so there was kind of like pushback on, on that one. And while they were actually investigating uh, what's happening from the uh, networking perspective, and as to my po- point earlier on, like that, that was pretty much cleaned, right? Um, I actually focused on figuring out what's the rate of this broadcast that I'm seeing, you know? Uh, so I actually identified really neat tool on Linux that, uh, you know, looks at the uh, PCAP file taken by the TCP dump, and it can actually give you the rate of certain types of traffic inside of it. So I actually pointed it out for the ICMP, given the fact that I was suspecting that it's like, you know, uh, broadcast storm. And it outputted 170 megabits of traffic within one minute of uh, uh, <laughs> megabits of traffic what, what within was, like... Uh, what what was your baseline? 106. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Like I raised my hand and said, like, you know what? Like I understand that we don't have the baseline for the broadcast traffic, but at the same time, 170 megabits of uh, broadcast is pretty hard uh, and pretty high amount of broadcast for any kind of environment. Like even if you run yeah. everything on the ICMP and, you know, they kind of caved in, you know, and you know, you know how it goes with the layer two network, regardless of how yeah. good your STP is, and you know, how the, uh, you know regardless of the fact that you know um, you have your root bridges elected and deterministically configured and everything, it just takes someone in the data center to connect like uh, one Ethernet cable to something that it's not supposed to be connected. And yeah, yeah, this fine. is actually what happened. Someone probably just like I, I don't think we ever actually got to the root cause of what triggered this particular broadcast uh, storm. Uh, but given the fact that it was fairly a large enterprise network, you know, once it started, it started really badly. So, you know, we applied uh, uh, we applied that uh, really nice uh, fix of actually turning down every single redundant uplink on every single okay. rack, uh, you know. You know, that's not dangerous at all, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a fashion of like uh, spookiness yeah. of this particular uh, uh, particular podcast. But but the thing is, like, it, it was really bad, you know, we managed to get it under the control and actually took, uh, you know, a value for the amount of traffic uh, uh, for the ICMP and it was 13 kilobytes. 
you know, I remember right. quite clearly, like 13 kilobytes of broadcast versus 170 megs. Like it just tells you how right. bad the storm was, right? Uh, so, you know, if you were to ask me what are the lessons, like, and if you know me, you know, as a, uh, as a network engineer and, oh, no. uh, you know, as a colleague, <laughs> yeah, I know you know me. The thing is like, I'm just gonna always tell you like, yeah, you know, you should really move off the layer two for the, you know, production related stuff. Like it's really, really hard, regardless of, you know, yeah. the fact that you might be like the expert in RSTP or STP, or you have everything predictably configured and stuff like that. It just takes very small amount of effort by someone that does not know, like, you know, uh, what you tried to achieve to actually break it, uh, uh, you know. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing on layer two, but the thing is, like, it's it, it's proven not to have really easy troubleshooting. It's really hard. And, you know, once you identified what actually went wrong, uh, the remediation steps are really ballistic. Like, just think about it. Like, you know, yeah. we, we needed we, to shut down to the redundant, redundant links. links. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. pretty drastic. So did you bring them up one by one after yeah. that? Then yeah, okay. So yes, like, yes, like we, we slowly yeah. started. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and then yeah. the other thing is like, like imagine like you know we had engineering group from US, from Europe, you know, all around the world troubleshooting the same issue, right? Instead of like focusing on their uh, project related work. So I was in one once, right, where I was sitting and I could read the guy's notes opposite, and he would he would actually said it was a network problem. And it was like, well, how'd you work that out? He goes, oh, because the power went out in the data center, therefore it took the router down, so the network was down. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm not buying that one. But, but, but the, the point is, if we're all looking at the same, <laughs> if we're all coming from the same um, uh, uh, source of truth, if you're all looking at the same data, then we can all sort of you know, work together. And that expedites. So you, you had to go through that process where you shut everything down. Although I will say, a well-operating spanning tree is a beautiful thing to behold when you actually see it sort of going in in full flow there. But but the the the, the reason that you know you had to go through these remediation steps was because okay, let's strip it back and start again. Whereas if we're all looking, agree, let's look at layer three, let's come into there or something there. But but if we're all doing it, if we're now looking at this from the same in the same context, basically, or from the same perspective, then it just expedites that whole process. Which is really, which is really crucial point as well, right? You know, it's actually quite surprising to find out how many companies out there don't have like uh, centralized uh, points of truth, right? It's really actually not just from the people perspective or something like that. Like really, like okay, what are we all looking at that's gonna tell us that what we are seeing is actually what's actually happening, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know. I'm just like, we are speaking about events, but it can be for, for the configuration. Like what's your source, for, source, yeah. uh, source of truth for the configuration files, right? So for example, yeah. like, you know, inevitably your router or switch is going to go like dead because like, you know, CPU is going to uh, go down, memory is going, going to fail or something like that. So you're going to get your RMA. Like where do you apply the configuration file from? Do you have a central repository or it lives like somewhere on someone's desktop, right? Or something like that. It's actually quite surprising to see how many organizations don't have that figured out right yeah, and there are absolutely. some beautiful uh, there are some beautiful solutions out there for exactly that um, yeah. but yeah like that th those are all quite interesting and challenging challenging things that yeah. are you know network uh, engineers and network operations teams SREs and NREs uh, yeah. need to deal uh, with on the daily basis absolutely base. 
Exactly. And I think I'm, I'm probably, you know, historically, I'm probably one of the guilty ones, mate. I was probably one of those sites you went to and I had all my configs written on scraps of paper. It's distributed around the place. So, <laughs> <laughs> But it was to your point earlier, it's all held within one knowledge base. But then as we've got this situation now where we've had networks overlaid with networks, we've had in, you know, different interdependencies, we've, we have these complexity upon complexity um, because of necessity and it's sort of driven that way there. That, that's impossible for one person to maintain or be able to go through. Or as we're talking about in the first um, uh, story there, it was easy for me to look at that network because it wasn't very small, it wasn't very large, sorry, and to do that in, in the context of say, this is a path, I can look holistically across all these routing tables and see the whole down timer, okay, where's the problem at that point there? Mm-hmm. It would be an impossible task to do now with sort of that many one uh, um, networks there. But the other, the other thing I'll say about that, sorry, just before, before it goes, is that the source of truth also has to be in context. So I think, and, and this is my hypothesis, is, is that it's not for want of trying. You know, we've, we've been talking about bridging the silos, talking about silos from mm-hmm. there, but it's they just don't simply have the, they don't have the capability to look at the, the data, so let's say the network data, in a context mm-hmm. that they'd understand. So an application person, if we gave them a B2B routing table or we gave them a, 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 mm-hmm. a, a trace file or a packet dump, they're going, yeah, where do I start? I mean, I've, I've done it. I've actually dumped of course. a whole hex yeah, dump yeah. on someone's desk and go, yeah, it's on line 32, offset, Three zero, there it is. <laughs> Buys me time, uh, so you're so so you guilty as charged. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the thing is like, um, you know, people need uh, to move towards the solutions that uh, are, you know, solving the blame games, right? Uh, so yep. you you need to have the uh, really. Uh, quick and fast identification, whether the issue is application-related or network-related, and then just engage the right people. That drives the MTTR, or mean time to resolution, really down, and that's ultimately what decision makers are gonna, uh, you know, ask you about. Like, like, why did it, you know, every single organization probably at this stage has something like, you know, debrief or post-mortem or of the event. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the questions is like, what, always, like, why did it last? This much, and what are the yeah. steps that we can take, you know, to to resolve this? And ultimately, uh, the answer boils down to like, you know, um, having the ability to uh, identify whether this was application related or uh, you know networking related, and what were the steps taken in 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 that direction. The other thing that I wanted to say, Mike, um, just before we wrap this up, is actually, you know. Uh, I'm actually quite glad to see that people are started heavily pushing towards the simplicity in their designs and, and, and you know, architectures. And, you know, that's actually uh, quite admirable and that's quite good. What Da Vinci said, uh, simplicity, simplicity is ultimate sophistication, right? Uh, you know, and, you know, who am I to... Uh, go against Da Vinci, right? <laughs> the guy Absolutely. identified it centuries ago. So, <laughs> uh, the, the man who drew a helicopter. Uh, he's quite right. But yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I'm very much an Occam's razor man, right? The simplest solution or the simplest answer is probably the correct one. That's so, yeah, totally. It's, it's, yeah. So. Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm with you on that one. Like, you know, um, keep it stupid simple. Kiss method works. Works every single Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kamal, I could actually talk to you all day, and I know we have in the past, we sort of carried on and on. So I think what we'll do is we'll take this into another show. Um, but absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. It, it's absolute pleasure to be on this podcast as always. So uh, please keep them coming. Thank you. Will do, mate. Will do.
So that's our show. Don't forget to like, subscribe and follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Thousand Eyes. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback or guests you'd like to see featured on the show, please send us a note at internet, uh, internetreport at thousandeyes.com. So we hope you enjoyed this Halloween special uh, episode. It was really fun to do, really enjoyed doing it. And if you're looking for a regular podcast to help keep your finger on the pulse of the health of the internet, check out our bi-weekly Internet Report Pulse Update podcast series, which is hosted by myself. So we've included the link on the screen above and in the description box below. Thanks again for tuning in today and we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>